The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And he, who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it a human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. But he did not. Which of the two did the, the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. It has been a holy week. I don't think I have to tell you that. It has been a very holy week. It has been a week in which we have heard the voice of protest, a week in which we have heard the voice of authority. It is a week in which we've heard the voice of anger and hatred, and a week in which we've also heard the voices of compassion. It's remarkable to me that the gospel meets us there. This story is from the beginning of Holy Week. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. The Hosannas have long died out. And here he stands in the first of five controversy stories with religious authorities, with temple officials and leaders. 
It is a voice of conflict. And it's a voice of unrest. And in perhaps the most striking of voices, Jesus says, tax collectors and prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom before you. Now, you may want to say that to your priest and your most welcome <laughs> But try saying it to your childhood pastor. Try saying it to the presiding bishop who was here on Thursday. Try saying it to the Archbishop of Canterbury or to the Pope or to anyone who has an office of respect, of authority, and yet that's exactly the voice that Jesus uses. But if we hear what Jesus is saying and we look behind the words and the images, what he's saying is you're not acting with integrity. And even those who are the least in this place and empire, the dregs of the society, are more righteous and have more integrity than you do. They're still very strong words, but he's lifting up a very forgotten outcast group. Now, the reason that they were so frowned upon was because the tax collectors collected the taxes for the emperor, for Rome. And the prostitutes, aside from sexual sin, often sold their services to the Roman soldiers. So they were convorting with the oppressing power. And yet Jesus says, they're going in before you, the representatives of Judaism. And what Jesus does in this is answer exactly the question they pose. What authority do you have and where does it come from? It's not a question that's asked with much sincerity. It's designed as the trap that it needs to be, because no matter what he responds, John wasn't from heaven. or the power comes from the empire, he takes their question and he flips it back on them. And they know the trouble that they will have. Because if they say as authentic representatives of Judaism that John was sent from heaven, all the people will be up in arms at Passover week. And if they say that it was from below, they're putting themselves on the level of empire, which they were the agents for. But that odd mix of politics and religion that you can't separate in that world. You remember a couple weeks ago, 
maybe even a couple months ago. I've probably said it more than once. When we talk about authority in the gospel, I think that really we need to keep in mind that it's about authenticity. That when Jesus expresses it, and when he uses it, he's saying who in fact he is, his identity from God to bring a kingdom of compassion and understanding, especially for those outcasts that he has included today. And that's the kind of authority, that's the kind of authenticity that he's challenging the religious leaders to. Now, I vowed to you, and I will vow again, that I will never preach partisan politics from the pulpit. I don't even really talk about it. I don't think if ever with you. But I will always talk the politic of the gospel, because the gospel is politic. And it's politic, meaning it's the word and message about how this kingdom of God, this vision for the world, is to be ordered. And Jesus gives us a pretty clear example of that today. It's for those outcasts and those people we keep pushing aside. But I can't help but hear all of the voices out of this gospel and all of the voices that will come in that holy week that we've heard in this holy week. Those protests around national symbols, those fights about what this is about, the disrespect of a flag or the disrespect of a people or both. And I want you to just sit in discernment for a week around how it is that those voices are heard and how we make them ourselves. This is the beginning of Jesus' Holy Week, and we know that he will do some quite remarkable things in the days to come. He will say, this is not the house of prayer that it was intended to be, and he will turn tables over in the temple. It's not quite violent protest, but... It's pretty astounding. And what he's saying, I think, that's so important is really revolves around prayer and how it is that we pray and that at the heart of our prayer is really discernment. How we should act and how we're to move in the world and how, as Paul tells us, we're to empty ourselves. I think in the conversation of this week and in the setting, the thing that really leaves me most unsettled and really quite sad is that what began as a symbol of very nonviolent protest, the bending of a knee, a prayer form, and that is a prayer form, has now lost been left out of the conversation, and now it's about parties, and now it's about flags, and it's about all of these things that we never seem to be able to sort out. But that a people, the African-American community, has had a symbol taken from them that was a very reverent symbol 
that we don't really experience all the things that that flag is supposed to stand for. And we'd be lying if we said that's not true. A flag that represents a country that's founded on the outcast, that has been built by the pennies of the poor, and you know that very well in this city of immigrants and the beautiful monuments and churches and buildings that are here, that that flag is something that represents a home for the oppressed and a home for all. And I think that if we get caught up in a rhetoric that says that's completely established here and how dare you do anything to question that, we can't be telling the truth because we know it isn't. So is it a symbol that represents a completed identity or is it a symbol that calls us to transformation? That there's always more we can do. And what disheartens me is that it seems that our conversation has shut out that reality. As if there are those who are against it or those who are for it rather than a people always embracing the possibility that things can be better. That's the Holy Week experience. And we enter that in a very particular way today, celebrating the beginning of our stewardship campaign here, a community that is marked and defined by its outreach to the broader community. You saw this on Celebration Festival Sunday. We see it when we gather. We're in everything in this city. <laughs> Making sandwiches, feeding the poor, standing up, calling to attention atrocities or situations that we need to know about. And that is what the stewardship campaign is about. Will we live out this message that the gospel gives us? And will we live out this message that Paul gives us? Be of the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He became a slave. And I think for us as a church and for us as a nation, to not reflect on that reality that's still quite present in the world and especially here is a grave injustice and not one of integrity. I listened this morning on the way here to an interview with an African-American scholar, a sociologist, I believe in Memphis. I could not catch her name. I had missed that part of the interview. But she was talking about her experience in Memphis of being at the Martin Luther King Museum and how beautiful it is and the, the, 
tons of people that were there to see and to learn and to know. And she said, I couldn't help but be so perplexed by the beauty of that place, but yet in a city in America that's still one of the most impoverished for African Americans, that still suffers so much prejudice, that still suffers so much economic problem. And she said, there isn't any way that you can't say we can't do more. We can be hopeful, and I am, about the great and wonderful strides we've made. But it would be blindness to walk into the city and think that's all it can be. That's the conversation I hope we'll have. A conversation about freedom, a conversation about the beauty of expression and of national symbol and what they represent and what they should represent. It'll require us to empty ourselves, even possibly to the point of death. May this be a holy week.